Sunny16 presents. Hello everyone, Billy Sanford here, back with another installment of my music and photography chats for Sunny16 presents On Location. I'm very happy to be joined on this installment by Vanya Zask, who many of you will be familiar with as one of the hosts of the All Through a Lens podcast. Anya was so generous with her time, and we discussed how being a host on a podcast about photography has impacted her photography and her life. We talked about using some unconventional gear to capture awesome action shots, leveraging natural resources and your love of a thing to tell the best story, cameras and music to pack for a trip, a good bit about the South Bay and surf culture and passing down music and photography to the next generation. But we started with an early memory that most of us will relate to involving music and photography. Let's have a listen. Well, I'm here with Vanya Zask, who many of you will know as Surf Martian, co-host of the All Through Lens podcast. Vanya, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for asking. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing good as well. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So I reached out and mentioned that I had been doing these chats with some people in the community about music and photography and if you would be interested in participating. And I was so grateful that you were that you were up for it. You know, as I've talked to a few people about music and photography, one of these things that comes has come up quite a bit is the ability of these things to affect our moods and I and I definitely want to ask you about that a little bit later on but the other thing that has come up a little bit has been the thing about memories you know so we take pictures to preserve memories and there's often a strong memory associated with with music you know a song can take us back to the first time we heard it or something like like that. So I thought maybe a fun way to start up was to ask you if, you know, about your earliest memories that were photography related or music related. Doesn't have to be the same thing, but just kind of going way back. What what does what do those things remind you of? So you asked me this a few days ago, so I had some time to think about it, and I have been thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? It's actually quite simple. It's the happy birthday song. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good one. That one, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's it's just the, it's weird too, because now it's it's not really like that for kids these days. Now it's just a phone up recording. Um, Um, But for me, the happy birthday song is always you sitting close by the person whose birthday or you know or it's you and you're nervous and they're singing and your mom's taking a picture with that 110 camera or the vivitar whatever she had and you're just like what am i gonna wish for i don't know (laughs) (laughs) this is so important unicorns or pegasuses i don't know that's right (laughs) no that's that's that is a great one i mean i think that's probably one of the first songs we all learn in life right yes Okay. I think so. <laughs> all right. So I mentioned All Through a Lens up at the top, and this is a podcast that you and Eric host. And it is weekly, but it alternates. So on one week, you'll do the main episode with some creative guests that, that we'll all get to enjoy hearing what they're up to. And then you, you guys will do sort of a 
really deep dive into the history of some photography related topic like pigeons or rockets or photo booths or just it could be crime scene photos i mean it could be any any topic you know that that's always super interesting Mm-hmm. And then on the off the other weeks, you do your dev party, which is a little bit more laid back and just y'all chatting and catching up. But that often seems to me to have, you know, an experimental aspect to it because you're often trying out different films or different developers or stuff like that. So, you know, con- considering all of these things, the history, the interviews, the experimentation, all, all of these things that you've been involved with for over the last couple of years now how how has hosting a podcast kind of affected your personal photography oh it's it has affected my day-to-day life honestly (laughs) (laughs) obviously doing you know the the main episodes we work on those for a while so it has actually affected my life in big ways because it is such a huge part of my life now um it's a lot of work but i we absolutely both of us absolutely love it having dis i I've, i'm dyslexic i've always been dyslexic <laughs> since i was little i was always in the special class right. um so having dyslexia and then also having issues of speaking out loud and reading out loud have always been something I've extremely struggled with. So when he asked me to do the podcast, I was extremely nervous about it because that's like one of the scariest things for me. I just, I remember as a kid, they would go from kid to kid, everybody would have to read a paragraph, right? right? And I would look in class, I'm sure there's gotta be someone that did this too. I would look in class and count how many people tell mine and then count where my paragraph was and then try to read it several times before it was my turn because I didn't wanna make any mistakes and people make fun of me. So going from like that (laughs) to actually speaking on a podcast, researching and talking in old styles of Victorian English has been a... (laughs) huge step for me. Um, it's, it's taught me to put a lot of trust in Eric also, because he is the one that's editing the podcast. I record my side, he records his, but he puts it all together. He is not only just like, he was my podcast partner and we were just friends. And now he's like my best friend. I talk to him even when we're not doing the podcast. We talk. We talk on the phone when we're when I photograph or see how his family's doing. Like during the holidays, he's just a very much part of my everyday life now, which is really really funny. Um, right. So yeah, he's I've just he's my confidant. I don't get embarrassed with him anymore if I make a mistake. He's super patient with me. Probably one of the most patient people I've worked with on <laughs> ever. <laughs> He's pretty incredible. Not saying that he can't be extra because he is and he can be super <laughs> catty as well. So don't worry. Like, I'm not going to say all nice things about him, but um, I do adore him and I could not ask for a better partner in our podcast. It was, it just, it seems to mesh very well so, somehow. So right. um, old photography history is absolutely like something that I'm very fascinated with as Eric is as well. And we're, that's kind of like our little 
niche of analog, you know, photography is like history. So the older the better. <laughs> and uh, it's just kind of cool to see how how things worked. You know, the the, the pigeons. I, they used pigeons like like it's the first drone ever. It's amazing. It's so incredible to learn these things. So uh, we have a ton of fun doing that. Um, and honestly, researching um, has been a great excuse to acquire tons of books and knowledge that helps my photography. <laughs> you know, learning different techniques and learning how people used to do it. It kind of makes you take a step back and look at your photography and kind of where you, what you want to do, what what's going to make you happy with, with, with your work at the end of the day. I think finding my place in the film, in the film community, and I've said this like a million times, just like making connections and asking questions and getting my questions answered and sharing and trading and talking with you (laughs) and just finding like-minded weirdos that are really into film has, is irreplaceable. It's, it's just, been such a light especially in in these times okay so you know during these conversations i've been trying to keep it not you know real technical or about the gear or anything but but you have been up to a couple of things sort of gear related that i wanted to ask you about and the first of those is shooting the medium format in water so Mm -hmm. you have a housing for your camera and, I mean, you have a Nikonos? Is that how you say it? I say Nikonos. A lot okay. of people say Nikonos. Yeah. So, you know, the medium format gives you a little bit bigger image. Mm-hmm. And you definitely get better perspective than maybe somebody standing on the beach with a 600 millimeter lens. Because you really get a sense of being there in the water. Absolutely. But I mean, I've never shot with a camera in a housing, and I assume you have to kind of dial everything in before you close it up and swim out with it. So how how'd you go through that process of kind of fine-tuning your technique? Yeah, so I didn't decide on what camera to house for about a year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I had talked to this guy, Dave, in Australia. He has been making housings for 30 years for, for film cameras, you know. Mm-hmm before digital anyways. So he was completely capable of (laughs) anything I ever could possibly imagine. Um, So I talked to him a little bit. He gave me kind of a rundown of like what he would need and I would have to send the camera just because it just makes sense to send him my camera, Mm -hmm. um, which I didn't have yet because I didn't pick a camera uh, (laughs) because I wanted to make the right decision. Right. So there were a ton of variables for the decision. I went with a Pentax 645N because it is a like semi-automatic. I could put it on completely auto if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the N of that Pentax, the lenses, they're FA lenses. And so they have autofocus capabilities, basically. So those were two things that I wanted because on bigger days sometimes it can be pretty intense and I'm swimming and kind of you know either not exactly fighting the current but it's some days are are stronger than other days so you have to really kind of <laughs> be in good shape and then you're swimming and this camera's really big so um right. 
there's not a lot of time to be adjusting things. He sure. did give me two ports, one for my 75 uh, millimeter lens and my 45 millimeter lens, and they both are F8 lenses. I made sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a focusing dial on the lens, and mm-hmm. there's also an app, you could change the aperture as well. So there are okay. two little knobs for that. And then there's a trigger button, a uh, adjuster for the, um, the speed, and then also there's an adjuster for the type of, I don't know, like something else. I can't remember. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like you could do right. auto or manual or right. P or something like that. It's some weird stuff. So my go-to mm-hmm. is... For a like, if it's a large day, um, but really pretty, uh, and I want something simple, mm-hmm. I usually go super low aperture, or at least like a four point five or something like that. Where, if someone is surfing, I'll, I probably will get them in focus. It's not just like <laughs> a tiny bit in front of them, which happens a lot too. Right. Um, I'm shooting two twenty mostly, so it's expired, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm usually. Uh, shooting it under what it's recommended. So mostly 50 ISO or 100 ISO for most of the rolls. Right. So f- I try to stick with 500th of a second uh, mm-hmm. for speed because everything is moving so fast. Right. Uh, and it's been, you know, it's been working pretty well. The the re- uh, Another good reason why I picked that Pentax is the backs of those, if anybody has one. They're inserts. They're actually not backs. Okay. So you can't take off the back mid-roll or else you'll right. expose the whole thing, which right. could be unfortunate. But when you're in a in the water with the housing, it is not easy to take off. So, And it's very simple to take pictures really quick. It, it right. I think a roll of 220 will give me – it's a 645 format. So mm-hmm. that will give me 33 images. Okay. So I try to <laughs> use them very sparingly, but sometimes it's really pretty out there and it's just like, oh, okay, I'm done already. <laughs> right. Well, what about like with your framing or composition? You've just done it long enough or the shot's wide enough? How did, how did you figure out how you liked to, to frame it, I guess? I think just honestly, a lot of, a lot of that is just being a surfer. Um, in the beginning, when I started shooting in the water, I was actually just surfing and I had a disposable camera inside my, inside like my sleeve or inside my wetsuit because I wanted to just document what I was seeing because there is, I just have so much fun out there. It's so much fun. People are making jokes and there's things happening constantly. And it was an experience that I really wanted to share. So it kind of stemmed from that. And I am still trying to photograph in that way, not mostly showcasing like how amazing someone is surfing, but just (laughs) the moment that they're, that they're in surfing. Um, I think it's like, it's hard. I, I kind of like portrait. So it's really, Mm -hmm. really hard. And and shooting portrait in the water is like really weird and Mm -hmm. strange, (laughs) Uh, but I do like it. And then also... I like 
to give kind of a range. You can see kind of some, sometimes you'll see the sand or like the smokestacks or up here in the background. And it kind of gives a little bit of, of the size of like what, what it looks like in the water. Um, mm -hmm. And then also the, the whole like, I shoot low on land, which Eric told me. I didn't even really like realize, you know, I didn't put this together. And I've talked about this on, on the podcast. Um, I like to shoot really low to the ground. And when you're swimming, it's just your head above water. So getting that perspective of like a bunch of foreground is kind of like, right. <sighs> it's so beautiful. It really is. And it, and it makes you feel like you're right there in, in, in the water, like you said. Yeah, yeah. It's um so I was going to say like I wrote something down about that because those pictures of like people surfing in the water or just like the wave with a little bit of like offshore winds on it or something like that. It right. it is uh it is the little piece of me that I can give about myself that I think not a lot of people get to experience. Right. Uh, there's this guy on Instagram. His name is Rick Barbosa. And mm -hmm. I absolutely like, he's so amazing. He is a firefighter. They do clearing and he photographs some of his experiences on film. So a mm -hmm. lot of like the clear cuts with all his like dirty firefighter friends <laughs> and smoke and fire. It's, it's something that like, people don't really see unless you're in that field, you know, you don't really get to experience that. So seeing his point of view is absolutely incredible. And I think that it kind of hit something in me. And I realized like the most unique thing I can do is show my experience of what I see every single day. And a lot of people might think like, oh, like, well, I have nothing fascinating about myself. But I think a lot of people don't really realize that you're living an experience that not everybody's experience, you know, whether it's, you know, you live on the other side of the world or you live in the country or you live in the city. That is unique to somebody. And right. I think it's it could you could think it's so mundane until you realize like, well, why is this so, why is this photograph so fascinating to me? <laughs> it's because yeah. it's not something I see all the time. So, I don't <laughs> exactly. Know. Well, I mean, you know, that's, that's for what it's worth. That's my experience of your images of surfing. So my other question had a similar element to it. So you've, you've done a little bit of skateboard mm -hmm. uh, photography and you've done some with a Hasselblad, but you also broke out, uh, is it Big Bertha? Yeah, I call I call her Bertha. She is okay. not actually the Graflex Bertha. That I, someone told me that there is actually a Graflex called Bertha, but um, <laughs> I call her Bertha because I like the name. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, she's a four by five Super D um, mm -hmm. Graflex. She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so and this is mostly an excuse to ask you about large format because I haven't done any yet and i'm really looking forward to getting into it but the idea of shooting skateboarding on it you know you see a lot of portraits you see a lot of landscape you know not a lot of fast moving action right mm -hmm. because i guess it, it, well especially for me you would want to take a lot of time to focus and how did that experience go for you did you enjoy it 
did the skaters oh. enjoy seeing you out oh, there? Oh yeah, with the- <laughs> absolutely. I mean, anytime that you come with a giant thing that looks maybe like an explosive device, people are interested right away. Um, also, for the most part, um, a lot of the places that I get invited to occasionally, mm-hmm. they are like backyard pools or they're like maybe secrets. And I'm like, right. oh, it's just film. Like it's not going to, you know, no one's going to see this. It's fine. <laughs> so, usually it's okay. Uh, right. The reason why it works kind of uh, with Bertha is because it is, you know, it does have that chimney like viewfinder and I can hold, I mean, it's huge, but I hold it, I have a strap for it. So it is a little bit more mobile, like compared to, you know, just like a regular field camera. Okay. Uh, it is not easy. It's really hard, <laughs> and I'm still working on it. And when you said like, "Oh, like I'm, I haven't like dove into large format," I'm like, "Oh no, mm-hmm. I get it because I haven't. I feel like I haven't either. Like I'm right. dabbling in everything, trying to find like my little place in right. <laughs> in all formats. Um, exactly. I I think that most people, if you said, "Oh, I want to do this in large format," they would probably be like, "Oh, that's crazy. Like you can't do that." So. I think that's probably part of why I want to do it. I'm a mm-hmm. super stubborn person, and <laughs> I will find a way to make it work. And then again, it's like, yeah, like it's unusual not only to shoot film still, but also to shoot these like crazy <laughs> cameras. Um, but they did. They they shot these cameras in the 20s and 30s for newspapers, like press. You know, they were they were press cameras. They right. shot them. They all the all the cameras that you think are not capable. There was someone that was was capable of doing it. Uh, even the Voigtlander Vog that I've been shooting with and I'm struggling with, it has a sports finder on it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> it has a sports finder on it, but you know. <laughs> well, there there you go, and that. So you kind of touched on that. That was one of the reasons I wanted to ask about the large format, because I think you mentioned you had some plates and maybe some lighting. What what all do you want to try with large format? Well, what I really want to do is make a book <laughs> at mm-hmm. some point in my life. It's the my Portraits Project book, and mm-hmm. it's about women in surfing, and not just like beautiful women in surfing, but all women and all I'm sorry but all women are beautiful but I mean like older right. women there was this this woman I surfed with a couple years ago she had broke her hip she's like in her 70s she broke her hip she went through the whole rehab thing she within 6 months she was able to surf again and mm. you have to the place she surfs you have to hike down it's back and forth it's about a mile and a half oh wow uh and she I, she's just incredible. I'm like this woman, she every day, four o'clock in the morning, gets up, gets ready, goes and checks the wave. And I'm like, feel like I'm sore. And I'm like, (laughs) why am I complaining? Look at how amazing this person is. There's a, there's a lot of women like that. And I, I want to photograph them. I want to show their faces Their I want to share their experiences uh, with, with everybody. So I want to do um, that as a large format project. Uh, very big, big black and white prints of these people. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to start it. I'm actually really excited because I'm hoping that this is going to take me several years. Right. 
And you can see in the beginning where I started because I'm putting them in. doesn't matter what they look like. <laughs> they got to go in because I want it to be real. I want it to show people if I got any better or not. <laughs> so hopefully it got better. We'll see. <laughs> right, right. Well, that is awesome. I would love to see that. Thank you. There was another project that you shared some of it with us this past year working with Birdwell. Yes. (laughs) And so I was curious about that because, so for anyone who doesn't know, Birdwell Bridges is a surf clothing company. Is that, is that how you would describe them? Uh, Yeah, I would say so. They, they've basically been around for um, 60 years or so. Um, The, the person, her name was Carrie Birdwell Mann Mm -hmm. and it started with her and a small sewing machine. Mm-hmm. And then she like made, and I have stories from people in the South Bay, like when they were kids, you would get this mag- you would get this catalog and it would tell you how to measure yourself and then what colors you could pick. And then you would write it all down and send money <laughs> in an envelope plus a dollar for the catalog. And then in a couple weeks, you would get your shorts in the mail. It was okay. just kind of like, so in every surfer magazine or back then that back ad was there, Birdwell Britches. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so that's kind of like the history of it. Now it's obviously, you know, 2022. So it's online a clothing and, brand. And yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that that's even more poignant, I think, to to the story because the part I was curious about, you know, and 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 what you shared. I don't know. You, maybe you did this too, but it wasn't like product catalog shots it was more like lifestyle type stuff Mm -hmm. and you got to work with people you know and and you shot some digital but you shot some film too also actually i i didn't shoot digital Um, okay my friend pete was my backup digital okay okay i also (laughs) even even more better Even more better to the question I'm building up to, which was, you know, if if you were commissioned by some big corporation with deep pockets to do some sort of campaign for them, but it was working with people that you didn't know and a product you weren't particularly passionate about, you know, there would be maybe financial benefits to doing that, but I can't imagine that your heart would be in it as much as maybe it was with this project. Mm-hmm. So, just wondered if you could kind of talk about that project and getting to use film and work with people you know with this, you know, iconic historical brand within this culture that you love. What what was that like? I, I wrote some notes down. <laughs> Are you ready? Perfect. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, well, just to start off... I definitely think companies and brands in general should always pull from their natural resources. I think right. it's important for the company itself and then the people that they're trying to sell to as well. You could just tell sometimes like, you know, this is just it's just too uh, something about certain things this kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. Um sure. So, yeah, I've wanted to work with Birdwell for a very long time. And it was something that I never said out loud, really. It was just something in my head, like, I would see, like, people in Birdwell's, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I could totally, like, just 
this is a picture, you know, because you're a photographer. That's what you do all day long is like, this is a picture. This is a picture. This is a moment. Look at the light. Wow. It's amazing. So (laughs) yeah, it was, (laughs) it was like a huge honor that they actually let me shoot it in film. So I guess where I want to start was surf culture kind of has been marketed from like everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been taken and marketed for car commercials, <laughs> like selling cars uh, to right. selling like retirement insurance. You know, you see that old like kind of hot guy like on the beach <laughs> with the surfboard and stuff. Like there, it's just it's right. everywhere, and I think that there should be a place for some of the history of it. And it was kind of like I felt my duty to show people a little bit of that through my photography. I live in the South Bay. I live in El Segundo and right down the street is like Hermosa. So, and this is like the kind of epitome of surf culture. This is kind of in California. That is, this is kind of where it all started. All the surfboard shapers started here, you know, down the street from me, every name you can think of, they all had a surf shop here. <laughs> it's right. just what it was. And then, of course, photographer like Leroy Granis lived in Hermosa Beach, and he shot with an Iconos outside, you know, with his on his surfboard. So these are all like, and they're all wearing bird wheels for the most part. So this is like a huge <laughs> part of this, this place. Right. And just like everywhere else in the United States, it this place is changing a lot, and it's growing mm-hmm. a lot, and it's getting more expensive. So there's not really like beach houses anymore because the suits have moved in and they're called, they're millions of dollars now and we can't afford those. But as soon as you cross over to the sand, it's, it's still the beach and it's still a public place for people to enjoy. And you know, the, the surfers are still there. (laughs) The surfers are still there no matter what. So you can't get rid of them. Um, So I wanted to kind of show like, a little bit of like we have so many uh, natural resources to tap into here and I was trying to explain to him that you look at all the pictures of their old ads from the 60s most of them were photographed here and I'm like we could do that and and it's still there's still a lot of traditional types of surfing and a lot of traditional people that surf like on old boards they still wear the bird wells because that's kind of like the vibe they're going for so I like I kind of like to tap in and and use all of that also I really enjoy the young talent here and for some reason the South Bay is just not a place where people get picked up in surfing. And I think mostly because they don't have the money, the the funds and the, the coaches to to make a career of surfing. So we do have a lot of really amazing talent here that doesn't kind of get a platform, unfortunately. So I felt it was really cool to go oh okay you want to sh- you want to shoot these birdwell ads well i know about five people off the top of my head that just wear birdwells anyways and i probably mm-hmm. have pictures of them in birdwells because that's what they wear you know right. Um, right. 
they're like, yeah, I love those. This is the size I am. This is this. And uh, this is what I want. <laughs> it was like perfect. So it, it just seemed like such a good match. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. So I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping they'll, they'll, um, they'll continue to like allow me to do more fun projects with them. Obviously, that's kind of extra stuff. It's not, it's not for their web, you know, it's not, you know, for marketing website stuff or like, Right. You know, they they have a digital photographer for that, but as far as having the honor to show a little bit, or at least my experience with uh, <laughs> history and and surfing, I really 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 love to do. I mean, I I try my best to be respectful of the past, but also like you know. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, this is where it came from. This is kind of what it was, and and. We, that's and this is where we are now <laughs> <That's> crazy <laughs> well I, I think they picked the perfect person for it because you you know clearly in talking through that I mean, I mean it's you know this wasn't just a job for you it's obviously a thing that you care about it and is, and knew and had a good feel for how to tell that story mm-hmm. so absolutely. you do a bit of traveling and there's often a photography component to those travels to yes. Texas or Kansas or Mexico or <laughs> wherever you might be going. Mm-hmm. And as, as we know, if, amongst us film shooters, you know, you if you go that far out, you can't just turn around and go back home if you forget something. And they may not have what you need where you're going. So, so when you're packing to go on one of these trips, what, like what do you typically carry with you? Cameras and films and. Yeah. So about that. <laughs> um, I've actually never went back to listen to some of the episodes where like, okay, we're going on a trip, but I'm only going to take two cameras. Right. Um, and you should fast forward and see actually how many cameras, because it's usually like 10 or something ridiculous. You always say you're not going to bring too many cameras. Uh, not for me. If I have my van, if I have my van, you can't have too many cameras. It's, right. it's kind of a blessing and a curse because I have the room for it and it really sucks. <laughs> but I'm more limited when I'm traveling. If I'm on a plane, for a surf trip or something like that. That's more mm-hmm. limited and I really have to kind of decide, well, what's gonna make the most sense? What am I gonna shoot the most? So uh, the last surf trip I went to on a plane, I brought, I think the Pentax uh, 645 with the water housing. Mm-hmm. And then I brought just my Nikonos 5, no. Three. I think my three. And that okay. was it. And it was really weird. But I brought a ton of film. The cool thing was with the Pentax, I mean, I could take it out of the housing and shoot it as a regular medium format camera, which I did. Right. So so that was kind of like, okay, it's technically three cameras. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was, that was um, it's always weird to pick and choose. It but is. yeah, you got to have a small one, you got to have a medium one, and you got to have a large one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I, my sense is that that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with, you know, if they're going on vacation or whatever. Well, uh, what do I need? What do I need to take these five 35 millimeter cameras with me? <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. 
I mean, if you're not hiking and you're mm-hmm. fairly secure and you're not leaving your cameras out everywhere, why not? I mean, honestly, just just bring the cameras you want to bring. Make yourself happy. It reminds me of right. being a kid and you're you're going on a trip and your mom's like, oh, like you can only bring like two stuffed animals. It's like, well, now <laughs> I'm an adult. I'm going to bring all my stuffed animals. <laughs> That's so. right. All right, so let's say you're on one of these road trips, and maybe this is where we start working some of the music into the conversation. What's mm-hmm. on your road trip soundtrack? Any any good tips for us? Uh, well, I would say most of the time, it depends on where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and right. it's silly, but it it's really true. I will end up listening to like a specific song sometimes for the whole trip for some reason something weird and it has nothing to do with the state it has nothing to do it's not like they were born there or anything it just something about that was very much made me feel like i wanted <laughs> i wanted this on the playlist and then i'll end up like playing it a bunch and now i'll listen to it and i think of the trip and it's amazing so what i end up doing is make a i make a playlist for every trip i go on i make okay. a normal playlist that i can kind of shuffle and then i make mm-hmm. another playlist that i'm supposed to kind of go from like top to bottom <laughs> <laughs> right and that depends on mood stuff and i've talked about it before like if i'm in the if we're going somewhere where there's going to be like nobody prairie like what What am I feeling? What do I want to listen to? And I get really into that. So when I listen to music, I'm always constantly like, ooh, I'm going to save this one. I'm going to put it on a playlist or I'm going to do this, you know. So I'm constantly pulling from the the things I already listen to, but also when you shuffle like on anything, you'll end up getting random songs sometimes and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Who's this band? Or someone will tell you about a band or you go see a band and then and then you find all like five other bands that are like connected to that band and you're like, oh my God, I have all this music now. It's amazing. So um, right. as far as like music taste, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know exactly how to explain my music taste or how I pick things. <laughs> Um, I think it's more of an emotional response for me. Mm -hmm. So I pick music for the way that it makes me feel or how I want to feel. Okay. (laughs) Which which is like the perfect segue to the next question I wanted to ask. Because I talked about, you know, at the beginning, we talked about mood. And and you kind of touched on that Mm -hmm. as you were talking. But the... The basic question, like if you get up in the morning, are you putting on music that reflects the mood you're already in, or do you put in on some music to change your mood to what you want it to be, or both? <laughs> you know, a little bit of both. So, because I'm in my late thirties, I listen mm-hmm. to I listen to like the news, you know, podcast radio, like uh, news, what's going on in the world, uh, right. to to check my email because <laughs> I'm like okay. <laughs> I need to focus, so I'm gonna like listen to what's going on in the world because I kind of want to f- like know, but I kind of don't. So right. I do that, and then from there, it really it is just kind of depends on what my mood is. Mm-hmm. Um, some I'm a little bit like if I'm a in a certain mood, I'm kind of there. It's really hard to snap me out. It takes me a while, but sometimes music does do that for me. Um, right, music is like 
such a huge I mean I know that I know that my my first question was happy birthday <laughs> but music is such a huge part of my life and I think I owe it a lot to my older siblings I'm so I'm going to be 39 this month and my oldest brother is 52 and then I have okay. another brother who's like probably like 48 or 49 and then my sister is like 45 so much uh not much older but pretty much older so they mm-hmm. were huge influences on on what i listened to because they would give me whatever they didn't want anymore hand-me-downs <laughs> <laughs> and then also like you know being in the car with them and listening like having those songs right. and then also like my my another sanford i know my my stepfather um, right he is very into music too. So in his truck, you know, his really mm-hmm. dirty old work truck, <laughs> construction truck, uh, you right. know, listening to, you know, bad company and shit like that, you know? So right. it's like, it, I have so many um, influences in my life and I, I really like to tap into all of them. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. So, and I had the same thing. I mean, my sister is four years older than me. And, and same kind of deal. I mean, my parents played records, you know, which was mm-hmm. what what you did back in those days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they had some music going, but of course, you know, they were listening to really old stuff that, that I didn't connect to. But, you know, my older sister, I thought she was cool. So whatever she was listening to, I thought must be cool. And so that's what I listened to also. Yeah. So, and, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was yeah, I was thinking um, my brother, I think it was my brother Giorgio gave me like a Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> tape <laughs> and um, I was explaining it to Marley. I was like, yeah, there's like a song on there and it's very inappropriate. And mm-hmm. I knew every single word to that song <laughs> at, at like 10 years old. And right. uh, I was like, I got to find the song. So I like found the song <laughs> and I played it and I sang every verse of that song still like I was like I haven't heard this in 20 years I still remember every single word because I knew it was like kind of like bad and I wasn't supposed to say right. these words but I was like in my room <laughs> like oh, I'm saying bad words like, oh. um, music always gets a pass though right. music gets a pass <laughs> like if there's bad words it kind of gets a pass I let Marley listen to those things we have discussions about things that are inappropriate but yeah music always gets a pass <laughs> Well, that is awesome, and, 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 you know, like, you're right. I mean, you can, you know, you may not even be thinking about a song, but it might, by chance, come on the radio or something, you could start singing along, like it, you know, like, as if it were yesterday when you heard it. <laughs> if it mm-hmm. was one that, you know, meant a lot to you back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's it's such a silly yeah. song, too. <laughs> 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 uh, it's kind of so, embarrassing, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, one one of the other things you talked about was playlists, and that made me think one of the other cool things that you and Eric do is create playlists for some of the mm-hmm. podcasts. Is that are you usually trying to tie it to something in the episode, or is it completely random, or is it what you're whatever you might be listening to at the at the time, or something you want to turn the listeners onto, or Mm-hmm. All of those things. <laughs> yeah, I, they're they are very believe it or not they are very particular. Sometimes mm-hmm. we do some sort of theme, 
Sometimes mm -hmm. it has something to do with what the podcast was about, or right. we just decide like, okay, let's make a theme, let's do this, or let's do that. Uh, sometimes we just play off each other, and that's probably my favorite. Those are my favorite playlists. So sure. we usually kind of switch back and forth who picks the first song. So if I pick the first song, then the next playlist, he'll pick the first song. Or sometimes I already have a first song or it's usually a last song. Like I'm like, I got the last song so you can have the first song uh, because right. this is what it's going to be ending on. <laughs> and then the playlist builds itself from there because if you don't shuffle it and and you just play it from start to finish. I don't know if most people, I don't know if people do that or not, but if you play it from start to finish, they usually like go together. We, we pick mm -hmm. songs that kind of either transition really well from one another, or they're playing off another for a, a different, like strange, weird, you know, music nerd history <laughs> weirdness. <laughs> it's, right. it's so much fun. And Eric's like super into music too. Right. And hearing his, I mean, I make fun of him all the time, of course, for some of the things that he listens to, but he does the same <laughs> to me because I'm, I live in LA. So like, that's, that's like a whole thing. Like the punk here is like all whatever, silly, but uh, right. it is like one of my favorite things to do is the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know if anybody actually listens to them, but I love them. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's great. I and I appreciate the the thought and effort that y'all put into that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so you, you sort of almost touched on on the other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, about where you live and the music there because we've mm -hmm. talked about surfing and you know being immersed in that culture is you know important to you. And I think when I reached out, you know, I made uh, a silly dad joke about the Beach Boys, <laughs> which was just to acknowledge, you know, that at one point in time, surf music was a thing. You know, there was yeah. a whole genre about, uh, you know, built around the surf culture. And, and I have no idea what it is these days, but I imagine, you know, probably everybody has different tastes. But if there's a big group of people out on the beach, I imagine somebody's got music playing or if you walk into the surf shop there's music playing is is there any kind of consensus at least in the community you're familiar with does everybody is everybody into punk or heavy metal or easy listening or <laughs> it's what? changed it's changed over the years it it yeah. had always been like if you watch any if you go into a surf shop and there's a surf video like playing mm -hmm it's usually there's there's punk rock in the background so that's okay. that's just an automatic and then also being in the south bay that like a lot of bands came from here minutemen red cross from uh hawthorne as well actually by the way so okay. it's not just the beast boys but red cross too descendants um what else uh yeah. black flag mm -hmm. pennywise there's a ton of bands just from this like one area so we're, we're very like ingrained with uh that genre of like mm -hmm. punk in this scene uh but a lot of the newer people are into like more of like you know something good with weed so like whatever <laughs> like they're more relaxed right. music or something it's kind <laughs> of all over the place now there's just but for me it'll it'll always be punk rock 
And I think mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with just the way that I felt as a kid growing up because I didn't really like fit any like specific group of people. And that's, I mean, obviously the surf Martian thing is kind of like, that is exactly how I feel. I feel like, right. yes, I'm in the surf community. Yes, I surf, but I don't fit the mold of a surfer girl and I don't fit in anything really. And I'm okay with that. And punk rock has always made me feel like it was okay to be like that. <laughs> and so it's, a, <laughs> it's like a special, it, it has like a special place in my heart. And I still, to this day, will like play, you know, like I have memories of me and Marley in my car and my Volvo driving around singing tiny town <laughs> from the dead milk band like you know just or you no know, the descendants uh there's right. a the descendant song called um like that oh god what is it i'm so embarrassed now i don't remember <laughs> well it's about like wanting to like have an oh suburban home that's what it is okay so marley was like seven years old singing suburban home we're, and we're driving through el segundo because it was just like we'll never be able to afford a house here we rent because I wanted her to go to a really good school, but mm-hmm. we just didn't fit. We didn't. We don't fit here. We're our own, our own thing, and that's okay. And the descendants make that okay for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that is, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that is uh, awesome. And and just before I move on, I, I would say it, it it is okay to be who you are. You don't have to fit <laughs> into the, into any preconceived. Uh, mold and in in my opinion anyway Mm -hmm. yes but but just everything you just touched on kind of leads to sort of the last question i wanted to talk to you about and it was you know this was strictly you know completely coincidental but the whole idea of having these chats with people about music and photography came from me going to a concert photography workshop and about the same time I was putting all of this together, you guys did a, a dev party, and the pictures that you were developing were from pictures you had taken at a concert. And, mm-hmm. and that was a concert you and Marley and your friend that you grew mm-hmm. up with, the three of you were at together. And, um, you know, you, you, you told the story kind of behind why that concert was sort of important to you. Mm-hmm. And, and Marley and her interest in music. and But but not just that. I mean, you know, you shared pictures of the two of you out shooting film together. Mm-hmm. And she was on a dev party where she developed some slide pictures, actually, she had taken when she was out with her friends, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, photography and music are things that she had you know she's showing an interest in and i'm sure you know those will be journeys that she will explore for the rest of her life and as i've been chatting with people you know there's always that somebody family or friend who turned them on to photography or music or both and it occurred to me that you're kind of seeing that now from the other side of the perspective with her Mm -hmm. and just was curious you know about the role that music and photography plays in the bond between you two and kind of how important it is to you to be able to share these things that you love with her and and help introduce her to these things and 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 encourage her as she starts exploring down those paths 
Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. So I have always wanted Marley to at least have a good foundation for music. And Mm -hmm. I also wanted her to to be able to know that she could always ask me if she ever wanted to pick up a camera. And it's really hard to pretend like I'm not like, oh, it's not like, you know, like not a big deal, (laughs) but you know, if you want a camera, like I can give you one. Like I'm sure the excitement behind my eyes are like, just take the camera. So yeah, it was like, (laughs) it's like that. And this show, especially was like this because I was like she's 13 this is like these bands she's gonna like this is the one this is the one that's gonna really influence her and like make her realize you know some things uh because we all have that moment there's like this moment in your life where you just like you see you see something and you're just like oh shit this is this is I'm connecting here and I had a feeling that that was gonna happen uh, so what I did was like, oh, hey, like, I'm going, like, to this show, and um, I have a ticket, it's really cheap, and, you know, I was like, yeah, I want to take you. Like, I tried to pretend like I didn't want to take her, but I did. <laughs> and she was like, right. and she was like, oh, mom, it's okay, like, you always take me everywhere, you don't have to take me. Like, she was being nice, like, oh, no, just go with your <laughs> friends, like, you never get away from me. And I'm like... Well, actually, I kind of want you to come, so you're coming. <laughs> it was right. really, really funny. So, yeah, that was kind of like, I try my best to not make like a huge deal about things because I want her to find it on her own. But also, mm-hmm. I am more than willing to guide her in into these paths as well, obviously. So if she's ever interested in, in, in any kind of creative like art or... I, I I just want to be supportive. Like I don't. She plays drums. She plays. You know. Mm-hmm. She's in band, and I I didn't I didn't do band in school. Uh, I went to a lot of schools that didn't have band programs because it was they were really poor. So we didn't even right. have a band. So the chance that I had was never there. So ha- Marley having that chance, I was like all for it. I'm like, yeah, if you want to do it, you should. Like, let, yes, hundred percent. Let's give it a shot. I never did it, but. It might be amazing. And so anytime right. she finds a spark of some kind of uh, create something creative that makes her happy, I, I just want to be supportive of it. I think it's really important to kind of help the younger generation feel comfortable with the things that they want to do. Uh, I didn't have that growing up, really. I didn't really have like a lot of people supporting the things that I wanted. And I think that's how a lot of people feel with even their photography it's like oh it's just a hobby or oh it's just this and I just do it for fun because they don't want to put any strong (laughs) uh, emotions or opinions on something that they absolutely love they just want to keep it really simple and that's fine but also uh, you can do whatever you want with it and if you feel like you want to sell some prints then sell some prints and if you want to grow a business and grow a business like if you're right. not gonna do it someone else is gonna do it so it might as well be you <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect <laughs> well thank you so much Vanya. i really appreciate your time and 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 talking about these things with me it's been so interesting to talk to everybody you know everybody's got a different imagine. experience and and insights so so where can we uh direct people to to see some of your work uh, at 
Surf Martian on Instagram. And then on there, there's like a link tree and there's like a ton mm-hmm. of different things that you can find me on <laughs> from there. So um, I would start the, uh, on Instagram and then, you know, there's tons of other places. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much again, Vanya. Oh, thank you. I want to thank Vanya again for joining me and for her openness about, well, everything. I really admire her spirit and love her work and hope that you will follow her if you are not already. She is at Surf Martian on Instagram and that link will be in the show notes. The music you're hearing now and during the intro are from Mike Gutterman who you heard during a previous installment of these chats about music and photography. He makes music for productions available on his Bandcamp page at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And of course, you can check him out every other week on the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast. And thank you as always to the team over at Sunny16 for providing the Sunny16 Presents feed. You too can share a podcast about what you've been up to. You don't have to do a series or have background music or interview guests. You can tell us about your first experience developing color film while recording it on your phone, or how this awesome recipe you found in the darkroom cookbook is giving you the contrast and grain you've been looking for your whole life. I know I'd really enjoy hearing what you've been up to, so reach out to Sunny16 at sunny16presents at gmail.com. I'll be back again soon with the final installment my music and photography series.